Hey friend, welcome to the Start Scared Podcast, where in our hearts we are wanting, craving, needing more in our lives, but the start is what always seems to stop us, but not anymore. My name is Christy, and I'm a wife, mama, teacher, health and wellness coach, and a recovering perfectionist. Together, we're going to do those things that God has put on our hearts, even though it may be hard. We're going to start messy and start scared because we have to be willing to suck a little in order to become great. I can't tell you how stoked I am that you're here. Are you ready? Let's go. Girl, I am so thrilled to share with you my very first interview with the one and only Miranda Bennett, aka Mrs. Mediocre Mom. I was sweating in all of the places, but she is super easygoing, so she made me feel much more comfortable, even though I was crazy nervous. So Miranda is a mother of two beautiful babies who rocked her world and turned it upside down. She strives to show all of the beautiful and crazy moments. She strongly believes that there needs to be more real mothers on social media and that we need to celebrate not only the great times, but the hard times too. She created Mrs. Mediocre Mom to give everyone a place to feel less alone, less judged, and to find community. Her goal is to help everyone she can not only make it through this crazy life, but to enjoy it too. Her motto, which I love, is don't be perfect, just be better. I think you're really going to love her and how stinking funny she is, but also how passionate she is about helping other women just like her. I'll give you a heads up, though. My cat, Perry, was with me during my entire interview, so you may be able to hear him purring, but that's your sign that he loved listening to Miranda just as much as I know that you will, too. And if you want to contact Miranda, I will drop all of her information in the show notes, so make sure you go check that out. And without further ado, here is my time with Miranda Bennett, a.k.a. Mrs. Media. Mediocre mom. Hi, Miranda. Welcome to the, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. I am so excited that you're here and you're taking time out of your very busy day <laughs> to chat with us. And I am sweating in all of the places. Same, same. So, so but be, I'm me because I was cleaning a playroom. That's why I'm sweating in all the places. But I'm very excited to take a break from that to be here. Woo-woo. So, for those of you who don't know who you are, let's start off by giving the woman listening a high-level overview of you. Okay. That seems like such an easy answer when I'm going over it in my head until somebody actually asks me on an interview. Um, So, I am Mrs. Mediocre Mom. I have a podcast, a blog, um, random social media content, and basically we're here to teach the modern woman to stop comparing herself to every other woman and to be honest about her struggles, mental health, parenting, whatever. It's just, I'm trying to build a community of women who don't judge each other and they just help each other. And, you know, all of us are struggling in different ways in different areas. And all we need sometimes is that, that leg up that someone to pull us up, someone to just say, Hey, I get it. And so that's like my entire brand is just letting you know, I get it. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. And I love that because, um, there are so, I feel like just 
growing up as a woman, as a girl, we always feel like we um, always have to compare ourselves to other people. And that, you know, especially on Instagram, everybody's perfectly curated feed and, you know, all of the highlight reel that people put out that you really don't know the shit that's really going on behind closed doors. And I really like that you kind of, you pull back that that curtain and you show everybody, this is really what's going on and this is real life because I know that you feel me and I know that you understand and I feel like it's giving women permission to be the real them and the authentic them. And I think that that's super, super important. And I wish there were more people like you in this world. Well, I thank you. And and to be honest, um, it is, scary. And I wanted to bring up obviously on this show, why it's scary, because I feel like there's a whole community of women, maybe super craving that kind of authenticity, but I don't know if in real time, like, do they know what they want? Like, are they going to be annoyed by me bringing up all the things they're already annoyed about or are they gonna feel like yes you see me we're in this together and so I kind of go back and forth between I want to be as real as possible but I also want to give the mom a break from her bullshit Mm. and so I get scared every time I get on an interview or anytime I write a blog or anytime I get on a podcast like am I giving them a place or am I not giving them an escape. Does that make sense? I feel like we should edit all of that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I <laughs> no, and I'm over here like, um, if you can hear my cat purring in this interview, just know that it's not just the two of us, it's the three of us today. Yes, so yes. um no, and I, I think that that's I think that that's so true though, because um, but and I'm gonna say I want you to continue doing what you're doing only because, like I said, it gives them permission, like it's not just me. You know what I mean? Like so many times, again, going back to what people portray on social media, uh, people think, oh, well, they're the Pinterest moms. They've got all their shit going on. And I'm, you know, wearing no bra, messy bun, no hair. I mean, no makeup. And this is my life. What am I doing wrong? And And so some people are terrified to even show up on social at all because they can't pull it together to fake it the way that other people can. Exactly. That's just sad. Like, just do whatever you want and just be happy and be content and just screw the rest. That's what I'm trying to teach people. And I'm showing them too. like, you know, I'm starting a podcast from the bottom. I have three episodes out. I started a blog from the bottom. I am not a writer. I um, am trying in real time to even learn how to do TikTok edits of videos. (laughs) And so... I want to be that person to where you can say, oh, I can absolutely compare myself to her instead of me saying, well, don't compare yourself to me now. You know, don't compare yourself to don't compare your beginning to my middle. Well, I'm nowhere near my middle. So I'm giving you a place to be like, all right, I can latch on to you. Yeah, come with me. Yeah, we can fail forward. We can do all the things. I'm going to laugh while you screw up. And then I'm going to feel comfortable to tell you that I screwed up, too. And we can all just kind of climb this ladder together. And then even the people who are behind, quote unquote, where I am, I feel like they are because they're going to see me messing up the entire the entire way. And so I just like, let's let's get rid of the perfection. Nobody starts out doing anything well. Nothing. I mean, I already know that those first three episodes, my goal is to look back a year from now and be so grossed out by how those were (laughs) compared to how they are, you know, later. That's my goal. But right now I'm just putting it out there. I'm just, I'm just doing it. 
And I love that. You're just <laughs> you're just ripping off the Band-Aid and you're doing the damn thing, regardless of what you know, what you don't know, how you're feeling. You just are, there's a call or a tug on your heart that this is something that I need to be doing. This is something I need to get out into the world. I don't know what yeah. I'm doing yet, but that's the key word is yet, right? You know, you're exactly. going to, you're going to learn as you go, just like all of us. You know, you have to be willing to suck a little in order to, to become great, exactly. right? And in like, I've been in my head a lot about this interview coming up and I talked a little bit in my last episode about, and I want to bring this up here too, is I think there's also this false narrative going around that like, if you're scared to start something, if you just do it and if you just get over that hump, like you're going to be fine. Yeah, it's going to be hard, but you're going to be fine. But for me, every time I pick up that microphone, I'm behind the hump again. And so I want people to understand that just because we're doing it, you and I are doing it, but we're talking on the side privately about how scary it is. That's right. And so I don't want people to also feel bad that they've already tried something five freaking times and they're still terrified because right here, that's me. Yeah. So let's just Amen, sister, me too. And, and I love, I loved that episode because it was, it was so true. And it hit the, the nail on the head that just because you do it once doesn't mean you're not going to be scared the second or third or 27th time you do it. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. this is my very first interview and I'm scared shitless, but I know the second time I interview someone, I'm going to be just as scared, you know? Exactly. So I think we need to switch the narrative from you won't be scared anymore to you're going to have a chance to be proud of yourself. Yes, I love that. So as that fades away and you get scared again, you at least have the memory of, well, last time I ended and I was so proud of myself and I just want that again. And so it's all just me trying to constantly shift my thinking. And anytime I have any idea that I think is brilliant, whether it is or not, I spew it out to my community. And I'm like, I just thought of this. I know you all already know this, but I just realized if I am proud of myself, things will be easier. Yeah, but I mean, imagine how many women probably don't know that. You know what I mean? And like I said, you're giving them permission to learn and grow and to evolve. And um, we're constantly learning new things, right? Um, so I do want to, and I know you haven't even touched on it here, but only because I know you, I want to dive a little bit deeper into your postpartum depression journey and how you recognized it and how you finally decided to get help. Because I really feel like this topic is not addressed openly enough. And, um, I know that you're really good about giving the real raw deal about what you went through. Yes, absolutely. And I want to start out by saying anybody who is thinking about like changing the channel right now because they're like, oh, that doesn't apply to me. You're actually the most important person to listen because you are the person who can now spot it in someone else. And I've been realizing over this journey, having this conversation a lot, that the community is there. You don't have to feel alone. You can find the women all over the internet or podcasts or whatever that you can connect to in this specific category. But the people who don't know anything about it are the people I'm trying to reach um, because I didn't catch it. If my mom and my husband and my sister had not collaborated to catch it, things probably would have gotten a lot worse. Um, And so I just really beg anybody who has no understanding of mental illness at all to try to learn or sit and listen or just anything to try to help us along. But anyway, I'm off my soapbox. So the reason I didn't catch it myself actually is because I have always um, 
suffered from postpartum or no, sorry, I've always suffered from depression. And so leading up to the pregnancy and birth of my first child, my husband and I were actually terrified that I would have really bad postpartum. We just assumed it was going to come along with the package. Violet came out. None of that happened. We were both surprised. Um, Not only did it not happen, but I was totally in the mindset of, I just had a baby girl. If I am not strong, independent, if if I don't love myself, if I don't care enough about myself, there's no way in hell I'm going to teach her to do it. And so that was a huge driver for me to just dive way into personal development. Um, And I went like so overboard. I was journaling and the books and the podcast and like every single thing I could possibly do because before you have two kids, you have time to do things. Um, So the second time I had a baby, we didn't discuss it at all because it hadn't happened the first time. So why would we, it, it just didn't even occur to me. Right. You're like, I'm over the hump. I um, had this one baby. I didn't have any postpartum depression. I'm good. And I've been working on myself nonstop. And so that's another thing, too, that I want people to understand about chronic depression versus situational depression is that you have to constantly be on the lookout and you have to constantly be using the tools and the things that you know, because once you stop putting in the work, it creeps around the corner and all of a sudden you're in the dark hole again and you don't even know how you got there so fast. So I stopped doing the work. Everything was fine. Everything was wonderful. I completely even forgot that I needed help with my mental health <laughs> because everything was so great. Um, and then I got pregnant and I was like super ragey during my pregnancy, but everyone told me, you know, hormones, hormones, hormones. And so you just kind of push everything aside. Um, he came out, I had like a beautiful two and a half days in the hospital and then got home, reality hit and everything was awful. Everything was terrible. I was not happy. I, I loved him because I knew that that's what happens when you have a baby, but I felt nothing. Um, the only feeling I was really able to have was anger. Um, and at the time my husband's leg was broken. (laughs) (laughs) I don't mean to laugh, but the the timing of everything was just the timing of everything. We lived in a two story house. So the kids' bedrooms were upstairs. I had just had a C-section. My husband is hobbling up the stairs in crutches, trying to take our then three-year-old to bed because he knows he has to try to help me. Um, I mean, you add in the no sleep and I mean, he's two now and he still doesn't sleep. If you saw my stories this morning, (laughs) 4.30, wake up, like, no thanks. I should have worked out. I almost texted you so early this morning and been like, why am I not working out? You should have. (laughs) I wouldn't have been awake though, girl. I woke up to no alarm today. Then I would have been pissed that you who wakes up early every morning was not awake this morning. So I'm glad I didn't text you. Um, So anyway, I'm just having such a hard time, but I'm using every excuse. Well, my husband's leg is broken and I need a lot of help. Well, my baby does not sleep and he's still cluster feeding, but he's not really breastfeeding very well. So I'm having to pump and I'm having to get bottles. I'm having to do this. And I'm like too busy even to notice myself. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of mothers will resonate with that. Um, and I just kept thinking like, well, once I sleep through the night, it'll be fine. Once I sleep through the night, it'll be fine. All right. I was able to get the kids over to my mom's for a night. I slept through the night. Nothing changed. All right. Well, maybe one night of sleep isn't going to make up for however many months of no sleep. 
And you just kind of keep giving it an excuse and giving it a name and giving it an excuse and giving it a name until one day I was trying to rock my son to sleep. He, even to this day, Jeff can get him to sleep and I can't, I don't know what it is. Um, but as soon as Jeff could, he was pretty much traveling again. So I'm alone with this three-year-old and this newborn and it would take like hours, Christy, hours to rock him to bed um, in the afternoon or at night. And so, and then people would tell me, well, he can sense your stress. He can, you know, you need to calm down. And I'm, you know, I'm, uh, a clear-headed person might say that makes total sense. But yeah, but speaking- when you're stressed out and someone says, stop stressing, what does that do right. to you? That makes you stress out even more, you right. know? Not only now I'm stressed, but I'm, I feel guilty too now because right. now I'm inducing the problem. I'm that the reason I'm why not he's not sleeping. Stay. Yeah. So let's just continue that cycle. Um, and so one day I was rocking him to sleep. It had taken about an hour and a half. Mind you, during this hour and a half, I have my three-year-old sitting in front of the television because what else am I going to do? And she comes in right as he falls asleep and she comes in happy-go-lucky, ready to tell me something. And I don't have any clue. I just remember the way her face changed when I started screaming (sighs) because he woke up the second she opened that door and I started screaming and I was crying and now she's crying and now he's crying and now I'm crying because I'm like a terrible person because I'm making these tiny people cry and I can't do anything about it and so um I think this day and a lot of I tell people too a lot of the first six months of his life are extremely hazy and I don't remember a lot um so sometimes my timelines get mixed up but I know that this time Jeff was not on a work trip because he came home I handed him the baby and I just left And I went to the coffee shop and I ordered a wine. It was like 12 o'clock, whatever. I was freaking out. And I called my sister and I just sitting outside in this extremely public place, just bawling my Mm -hmm. eyes out, telling my sister everything that I've felt for the last six months. And she just kept saying, okay, okay, well, you know, all of that is really normal, but I, I think you need to talk to somebody because that sounds like postpartum depression. And as soon as she said it, it was like this light bulb went off and it was just insane to me that I have dealt with depression my entire life and I still missed it. So there's all sorts of emotions, you know, at play there too, but she called my mom, my mom right away came um, and got the kids. And then a couple days later, my husband left to go on a business trip. Something happened again where I just flipped out and I called my mom and she came to pick him up and I was screaming. Violet wouldn't put on her shoes because she's three and she's allowed to do that. But I was <laughs> screaming and crying and just saying, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do any of this. And she, my mom was like, what, what don't you want to do? I said, I don't want to be a mom. I'm done. Like, take them. I'm done. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do any of this. And it makes me like want to cry just thinking that I could ever feel that way. But it was the truth. And had I not said it out loud, Mm -hmm. something else could have happened. And the truth is, is I was not actually suicidal. I wasn't going to take my own life. I was going to pack my bags and just leave and just be like, good riddance. You guys will be fine. You have a great dad. You know, one day, my thought was one day you're going to 
be old enough to understand, you know, and not be mad because I just couldn't do it. And I'm like rationalizing it in my head, sitting outside at four o'clock in the morning after another feeding. And I'm just like staring at my van thinking I could just go. I could just go. And I want to stop you there because I want I want the woman listening to this to really think about what you just said. And I want us to normalize that so many women feel that way. Like we just recently had Meghan Markle's um, interview with Oprah and she was saying the same thing. Absolutely. And it's normal, but it's not normal to continue to go through life feeling that way. But these feelings that moms have after your body has just gone through a major beating, I mean, your body is not your own. It belongs to this child for the last 10 months. And then now, however long you're breastfeeding or whatever, these feelings are 100% normal, but it's having the ability or knowing what to look for and, and then saying, man, I can't live like this. I don't want to live like this. I mean, I've heard so many stories. My best friend thought the same thing. I just wanted to get in my car and I just wanted to leave. And both of you guys are amazing moms, but we just had to get through, get over that hump of that postpartum issue and then recognize that this is not okay. It's normal, but it's not okay. And I need some help. And I need some help. And once you start saying it out loud, what I learned um, cause that first, uh, therapy session I had, I went in and I was so honest and I, you know, I said things like, you know, I don't really want to have a baby. I'm annoyed at my three-year-old. Like I used to enjoy her. I don't enjoy her anymore because right now she's the thing keeping me from getting things done with the baby. She's the thing keeping me from getting him to sleep. And I was like, I don't want to feel that way, but I don't like any of this. And and I'm, I'm sure I said more because by the end of it, she thanked me for coming in and being so honest. She was like, man, you came in and you just laid it out. And the thing is, is once I said those things out loud, I could hear how sort of ridiculous they were. And not that they were ridiculous, like not valid, but like. I don't know how to explain what I'm trying to say, but she at least validated that it's okay that I felt all of those things. And it does not make me a bad mom. And it does not mean anything except that I just needed a little bit of help. And now when we talk, she praises me about how far I've come. And, you know, it's amazing to also have that kind of relationship with someone outside of your bubble who really has seen you go from, you know, absolute zero, but, you know, just in the mud to, you know, I started a business called Mrs. Mediocre Mom. And it might not be huge right now, but it's going to be because I was able to get out of that. If I can get out of that, if I can come up from how low I was, I feel like I can do almost anything. I love that. So after all of this, so obviously mental health management is super important to you and um, therapy and um, all of the things. So can you tell tell us like what that means and what that looks like for you or how you can help serve other people or other women kind of going through the same thing? In terms of what Mrs. Mediocre Mom is doing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or Miranda. Yeah, well, true. Okay. I um, have recently opened my coaching business. 
I am a coach with an emphasis on mental health management. And what that means is you might be, you know, taking the medications and you might be seeing the therapist, but maybe you need real time tools and tricks on how to get past certain things. Um, like for me, the, the depression can really bring me down so low that maybe I'll spend a week not working on anything having to do with my business. Um, and so because I go through these things and I know what things work for me and what things have not worked for me, I can ha- kind of help guide you with those things too. And bonus, um, baby number two gave me anxiety. So now <laughs> I can help people with both because I used to only know about depression. Thank you, so, baby number two, for giving you, me real two. life experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I only take um, about four clients at a time because I want to make sure that I give you all the attention. Um, I even text in between sessions with some of my people to just keep up with them. Um, And part of the reason, and I want to kind of explain this too, because you might be thinking, well, if you're still having lows, like, are you really the girl I want to go to for this? But for me, it's like, when I'm really, really up, I want to help you get up too. If I'm really, really low, I'm going to still going to push you up because helping you get up will bring me up. It's like part of my therapy. It really is. When I see someone doing well that I've helped or that I've, I've contributed it even in a tiny, tiny bit, like, man, that gives me life. So it's part of helping others is part of my therapy. I love Uh, that. I also have like a $3 digital download for, um, like a coaching workbook. So if you don't want to work with a person, you can download, I think it's like 33 pages and you can really- For $3? Three bucks. Dang. And we'll put put all of um, your links in the show notes too. So um, (laughs) everybody can find you on all the socials and your blog and your podcast. Yes. Please don't judge too hard. Remember, we're mediocre, but we're trying. That's right. Uh Don't don't be perfect. Just be better, right? (laughs) Right. Um, And then I also have a journal. Um, I figured my first product should definitely be a journal because I scream at people about journaling. I'm like, please journal. Please talk about your feelings. Get them out of your head. If you can separate yourself from those bad feelings, if you can give your depression or your anxiety a name and separate yourself from it, it helps you um, get a little bit louder than it. I feel like it can get very, very loud inside your head and it mutes all of your real feelings, your true feelings that are in there. They get muted. So writing it out, um, giving it a name, talking about it, saying it out loud will help you understand that those are not your thoughts and we have to mute them in order to let our voices come back out. But do you I feel have, like I'm doing so much rambling with you. No, I don't I even it. know if this do is you, good. Do you... <laughs> I'll edit that out. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm um, myself right now. <laughs> no, and and that's and it's perfect, and I love it. Um, but about journaling, um, I always feel, and I'll just I'll throw myself under the bus. I've heard so many good things about journaling, but as a recovering perfectionist, I feel like I'm not journaling right in the right yes, way. Exactly. So I don't do it. So what do you right. recommend to me or to the woman who wants to start journaling, but they really have no idea how to start? Okay. So completely honest, if I journal in a blank journal, I will end up writing as if someone's going to read it. So just having open space to free write is very difficult for me. 
My favorite thing, and I am trying to create one, but right now I use, um, it's called Vertelis, and I can even give you that link for the show notes. It is a prompted journal. It gives you specific questions. You answer it about your day from morning to night. It gives you a rating system to rate your day. It gives you a spot to summarize your day. And then you use all this information. Um, What was good for me was I would go to bed thinking how terrible the day was. But then after I would answer these, you know, three questions, do my summary. By the time I was done, I would rate my day at like a seven. I know. And I'm like, well, I guess that one thing that really pissed me off really is minute compared to everything else. All these little things that are added together to make a really good day. Um, so that really helped me sleep at night because it would calm me and I wouldn't be going over and over all the things that went wrong. So for the people like you and I who have trouble just free writing, um, because I'm not writing a book to sell it, I don't know what the issue is, but <laughs> Uh, answering the questions and having an actual kind of layout of what to do really helps me. So I can show you. Yeah, definitely share, share that with us so we can, I can put it in the show, show notes and then I can buy myself one because I am the same way. Like if I just have blank space, I'm going to write like someone's going to read it. And then what's the point? Because then it's not going to be true and authentic and all of the stuff that I really need to get out. So yeah, like what am I, who am I trying to impress here? It's a journal that (laughs) I hope not. Like, am I going to read it back and be like, oh, I'm pretty funny. Like, I don't know why I'm, but I, but Mrs. Mediocre Mom will hopefully maybe next year have a fully prompted journal. Me and Jackie Land of Jackie Land Designs are putting it together. And so I'm really excited about that. I'm so excited for that. Jesus. No, I have no clue, but. Very excited. <laughs> That's going to be amazing. I'm super excited about that. Um, what is your favorite thing about what you do? My favorite thing is seriously all the private conversations. Um, doing the TikToks and the videos and, and the podcast and the blogging, it's all sort of fun. But actually having real conversations with women who maybe don't want to comment publicly Um, I absolutely love that. And I thrive off of that. And whether they're asking for help or they're just saying that they feel seen or feel validated or whatever it is, I'm just, I feel like I'm making friends all over. And that's really cool. Like my, it looks like my community is still very quite small. And because of that, I get to actually interact with every single person who wants to interact with me personally. And so I just, I absolutely love that. So it's a very intimate platform. And I think that that's really, um, I think it's important, especially since you said there are having those behind the scene conversations with women who um, are, are afraid to post publicly or to discuss right. what they're feeling publicly to have someone like you to go to and to be like, okay, this is what I'm, I'm feeling and then get advice or get counsel or um, just get a big air virtual air hug you know and yeah I I tell people too like you can word vomit all over me whenever you feel like you can just say all the things and I will either validate you I will hate someone with you (laughs) you I'll give you advice you tell me what version of me you need and girl I got you but yeah I just I I absolutely love it and the thing too about these private conversations is if you're going to tell me something you're afraid to share with the world I'll share it for, for you. Like I'll just make, I'll do my version. That way you see it aired out and either you then feel more comfortable to do it yourself or you just are like, yes, it's out there. I feel better. Oh, I love so, that. And then also like, if you're sharing that and then um, let's say you're sharing it on a post or something and then people comment, Oh, me too, me too, me too. 
to be yes. that that woman behind the scenes to be like, oh, it's not just me. I'm not crazy or, you know, I'm not alone in this. And to to feel seen, because I think that's what so many of us want to do is to feel seen and heard and understood. I, I feel like I also might be tapping into a little bit of um, a separate market from the rest of the personal development, big names that you know of, because a lot of those big names are extremely type A, career driven, work at all hours of the night, wake up super early, um, you know, where they're just go, 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 go. And I am not that personality at all. I like sleep is the biggest thing in my mental health. So if I can't get up at five or six in the morning in order to work before my kids get up, I need other people to know that that's okay. Like my, my depression or my you know, the things going on with me can make it really hard for me to be consistent. I don't, if you'll notice on my podcast, I never say, you know, I'll see you next week because I don't know that it's going to be next week or next month because I have to baby myself on top of taking care of my house and my family. But I want people to see, you know, just because Rachel Hollis is kicking ass over there with her go, 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 go attitude. I want you over in the corner eating your Doritos and cheese and watching like whatever show you can do it too, just because it looks so different and it might take me so much longer to get to the goals that I want to get to than it would someone who's that more type a personality, but I don't care if it takes longer. So if that's what's stopping you, I also want to give those people a voice. I love that. That's that's good, um, especially since if we're comparing ourselves to Rachel Hollis, she's been doing this for like 13 years well, yes, and yes. she has a shit ton of help now. You know what I yes. mean? So it would be yes. foolish of any of us normal folks <laughs> to <laughs> compare ourselves to Rachel, right? Because I mean, yes. she is a badass mama. She's amazing, but she's also been at this a heck of a lot longer. And she also has a heck of a lot of help. I mean, she says she has like 60 people. She, yes. she yes. is on her payroll. So I'm like, it's just me. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What is um, one piece of advice that you can give to the woman in her thirties who has something weighing on her heart that she knows can make her life better but she's scared to start. Oh gosh, I guess something that has helped a couple of my clients actually is, um, and maybe this will help for more people, having them write down worst case scenario. Say you did it. Say you, say you go out on a limb and you friggin' do whatever the thing is. What is the absolute worst case scenario? And most of the time that fear is like this fuzzy gray area. There's no actual image. So once you tell yourself what the actual worst case scenario is, a lot of times it's not that bad. And you can think like, well, what's the best case scenario? Okay. Now, is it worth it to maybe go through a little bit of this in order to get to this? And a lot of my clients so far, after actually writing it out and seeing it, and some people have even gone further to like journal all about it, um, having that comparison and seeing that the worst case scenario may not be as scary as you think it will be, and then seeing what really could come of it um, has helped some people get over the hump. For me personally, and I do not advise this to anybody, but I'm going to be very honest. 
when I need to do something and I'm terrified to do it, I just like, I'll type out a blog. I'll make sure things are not like totally spelled wrong. And then boom, I post it. Or I do a podcast and I like try to edit just enough to make it passable. And then I post it because if I don't post it right away, I will analyze it. Mm -hmm. I will think about it and I will delete it. So, and somebody needs to hear (laughs) what you are writing. (laughs) And sometimes I look back and I'm like, Ooh, that probably could, I could have spent a little bit more time making that better, but I would rather it be out there and get better over time than keep just taking it down and taking it down and not doing it at all. So you can either do like the, the good way and you can really think about your options and you can think about what's good and what's bad, or you can do the mediocre mom way and you can just throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's awesome. And and I love how like real and raw you are about that. You're like, Hey, this is what I do. I don't advise it, but you know, if you want to try it, it might work. I I mean, the perfect example is that dad privilege episode. My second episode, if you listen to it, you will know that I just hit post and then probably cried in a corner. Like I should have deleted it, but I just no. put it out to be like, moms, this is what happened. Yes. I'm trying to do a podcast and my kid backed a Jeep into a glass table. Like this is what happens when you don't have a nanny. <laughs> and it's just you and two wild crazy kids. And Jack's all, but it's the mediocre mom show. Maybe it would be like more fun if the kids were involved. And oh, so was, they're involved. <laughs> Yeah, listen to this episode. Tell me how fun it sounds. <laughs> I sound happy. And then my and then my mother in law is like, maybe you shouldn't record when you're mad. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> but then, but Violet's so cute when she says the beginning intro. I love it. She just sounds yes. so sweet and angelic. I love it too. Eventually, I'm gonna have it more professionally done. I did it with my phone. Um, but the bye bye by Stetson. And oh my God. Yes. Violet just kills me. And they're I'm so cute. Forever, I don't forever. You have to, no matter, <laughs> no matter if they're like 15 and 16. Oh you, yeah. No, you they're going to hate it. Cute. Yeah. Oh, they'll hate it. Absolutely. In fact, yeah. the more they hate it, the more I'll keep it. Probably uh, Because that's what we do as moms <laughs> for sure. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So, um, I have one more question. Where can we find you to get more amazing content from you? So tell me where, where we can find you. I'm at Mrs. Mediocre Mom literally everywhere and Mrs. Mediocre Mom.com. And if you just type in Mrs. Mediocre Mom in Google, you'll see all of it. I even have a Google page. So you will be able to find all of my mediocre content. You will be able to follow me, message me. I have a phone number that you can text. I mean, literally, we can be in constant contact if you want. So follow me, everybody. <laughs> I love it. I yes. Yes. Follow follow Miranda for lots of funny. Miranda is so funny, guys. Like so stinking funny. Um, All right. Last question. What is one thing that you are super excited about right now? What am I super excited about? And it can be about anything. It doesn't have to be work related. It could be life related. What is something you are super excited about right now? So we are, this sounds so dumb. This is such a mom answer. Before I got started, I was cleaning out, before I got started with you, I was cleaning out the playroom um, because there's just literally toys all over the place. And I've been yelling at my poor, sweet, almost five-year-old little jerk to clean up her toys. And she finally, I mean, it's been weeks of like, clean up your toys. She finally said, mom, 
I don't have buckets. I don't have shelves. Like, where do you want me to put this stuff? And you're like, oh shit, you make so much sense. <laughs> I literally had two cardboard boxes in there and one bookshelf. So I was like, you are so right. I should be grounded. I literally hide from that toy room because it's disgusting. It's one of my things that I start scared is walking into that room. <laughs> and so I, I just went in there and I started tackling it. And as soon as we are done, I have to go finish tackling it so we can get her bins and shelves. And then when she doesn't clean up her toys, I'm going to ask her like, well, what else are you like? What do you need? Because I got you the freaking bins. She wants them all labeled. She wants. Because she is a type A at heart. Yeah. I uh, yeah, yeah. type B in, in reality. Yeah. I, I feel her say, <laughs> Violet, I feel you girl. I gotta have, I've got to have bins labeled too. And then my son, I'm the type A and then my son is the type B. He's like, I, no, it doesn't need to go in a labeled bin. And I told him tomorrow we are cleaning out his room because he has so many toys. And um, we did this already over Thanksgiving break. We labeled everything and now everything's a mess. And But he seems to know where everything is. And so one thing I, I did want to say before we, we say goodbye is um, because this is the mediocre mom show right now, um, yeah. I was cleaning out Bruce's drawers, taking out, you know, the switcheroo of the sizes because he just turned six. And um, I found five dirty nighttime pants underneath his dresser that he just shoved under there because he didn't feel like throwing them in the trash can. And I was like, uh, here's a nighttime pant. Oh, oh here's another one. And he, he, the, the look yeah. on his face, he's like, oops, whatever. And I was like, why are these under here? And he's like, oh, because I didn't feel like throwing them away. <laughs> like, they, I mean, they had to have been there at least five days because there were five of them. It was so gross. I was like, ooh. I, I would just push everything under my bed. I was terrible. I was a terrible cleaner. My parents would yell at me, tell me to clean my room. I would shove it all under the bed. And when they finally moved my bed, there was like plates and there was oh. like toys and trash. <laughs> and it was disgusting. I was a disgusting person. I'm still a little bit disgusting, <laughs> but not as bad. Not nearly as bad. There's no plates under my bed. Right oh, thank gosh. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like food upstairs in the carpet. Like, no, don't no, do that. I know it's terrible. Maybe that's why we moved from New York. Maybe the house was just so gross by the time I was done. With oh well, it's also because it was haunted. But that's for another <laughs> another time. That's a whole other time. <laughs> All right. Well, thank <laughs> yeah. No, I hated being at that house in New York. <laughs> hated it. And then your sister lived in the basement, and no. that was even scarier. Oh my gosh, it was terrible. Anyway, whatever. That's for another time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to say thank you so much for being here and I appreciate your time. And um, I'm still sweating in all of the places, but it was fun. And um, to my friend who is listening right now, um, remember, don't be perfect. Just be better because that's all we can hope for in this life. And um, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Start Scared podcast. If you found anything valuable today, I would be honored if you shared it with a friend who might also find value in it or share it on social media and tag me so I can personally say thank you for spreading this message. I am so grateful that you're here and to be on this journey with you, girl. I'll talk to you soon.